I'll tell you something for nothing, lads. This technology crack is going to be the death of me. Welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor. I'm in my little bunker here up by St. Derek's Plan and it's dark outside. It's early evening when I'm recording this and the sun has gone down and we won't see it again until March is the way it feels at the moment. Uh, but when the sun came up last Monday morning, uh, I sort of woke up. I actually left the blinds open, so I was awake fairly early. And then the next thing, I got a message from the, the wonderful and the magnificent and the lovely Claire King. And Claire is one of uh, those people who's great with the feedback. You know, she'd always uh, drop a, a post on Facebook or a message on Facebook or Instagram or something um, saying what she likes about the episodes. Uh, which is brilliant, and I'd encourage more of you to do it. But uh, this past Monday morning, it wasn't the kind of message you want to be reading at first thing in the morning on a Monday morning. Uh, it was, hey, that episode you uploaded is all over the shop. There's no music at the start of it. And then after the intro, there's just you doing your housekeeping and telling us all what's going on. And then you introduce the interview, and the interview isn't isn't there. And then I fucking panicked because that's what you should do in those situations when the good people who listen to your Irish and Sweden podcast, some of them who who support it and pay for it every mo- every month, um, you know, when you do that, geez, you, could, you couldn't be doing that, lads. You won't last long in this business if you're doing that. So you end up having to take it down. Now, under normal circumstances, when Claire King stands up the bat sign, I come running, right? Whatever she wants, she gets end of stories, as is the case with the rest of you, you know? But I couldn't, because last Monday morning in Stockholm anyway, uh, if you're listening to this, the day it's posted, was the first of the Nobel Prizes was being announced. And we were, oh Jesus, what was it? It was medicine and physiology is usually on the Monday down there in Karolinska Institute, where we have many great Irish researchers and scientists in there, some of whom I have to get back to. I've been talking to them since the pandemic and uh, I've been promising. I know Jerry Cullity has been on the show before, but there's another few people on the same floor as him there that I want. And indeed... Uh, I think Claire's husband, Kieran may well be down there as well, uh, so I'll have to drop in there. But in any case, so I was stuck between getting the podcast back up and running, uh, which I was my real priority, but unfortunately the Nobel Prize, which was being handed out, I had to get there and set up the camera because I was broadcasting it live for a fairly major news agency. And uh, yeah, so it took a little while and I ended up having to put up one of those posts on uh, on Instagram. I, I don't really have this thing of, look, you know, if things go wrong, try to pretend it didn't happen. It's like, why would you do that? Except that a mistake was made or that you made the mistake uh, and fucking get on with it you know so I put it out there on Instagram and LinkedIn and all that kind of thing as quick as I could that uh, there was a, a problem with the episode and we got it back up again and I think people seem to enjoy um, Warren talking about electricity and how the price of electricity is set and that kind of thing and again his own story about uh, getting down to Gothenburg so that was one that we won't uh, we wouldn't like to repeat and you think to yourself lads well should that's it how many more things could go wrong this week? Well, Jesus, if we didn't get until Thursday. And what happens with the Nobel Prize is you'll see them coming every day, right? And they're in sort of different locations. So the first one's at uh, Karolinska Institute. And then the next two are at Wetenskaps Academy, which is at Frascati. It's out by Stockholm's University. So they're the next two. And then uh, on the Thursday is the Nobel Prize for Literature. And that's in Gamla Stan, the old town here in Stockholm. And then on Friday, the Peace Prize is in Oslo. And on Monday, the Economics Prize, which is probably where I'll be by the time you were listening to this, is back at uh, Wetenskaps Academy. So today, anyway, I was wandered off into the Literature Prize, which was won by a French uh, French author. 
And I get over there and you're outside and you're filming, you're doing your thing with your tripod. And if you ever watch the news on RTE or SVT, you'll see there's, there's a grammar to the way these things are done. So you might see uh, a picture of the outside of the building and then a close-up of the sign just to tell you where it is, you know. Because not everybody would know these things. So uh, you set the scene and then you go into the building and then, you know, you're pointing at the doors and your man comes out and he tells you who won it and everything. Now, that was great until I got there this morning, set up the tripod and the camera and everything else like that. And I did me, fi- me filming outside and then I went indoors. Fucking rucksack was gone, lads. It's like, what am I after doing with it? Now, in the rucksack is the thing you use, like the little sort of metallic electronic box that you use to send live or to broadcast live to every single media company in the world. Right? All the big ones are getting through this. And there's Muggins there standing going, where did I put the rucksack? Oh, we're back to the Tunnel Bonner station. And I'm sure it's not the, I'm not the first Irish fella to run in there, lads, because this is Gamblas Dawn. So you have Veerstrums and O'Connells and the Liffey, but it's Veerstrums you should be going to. Uh, so I wouldn't be the first Irish person to go in there and have lost my wallet or my phone or something like that. But the bleeding rucksack was gone. Anyway, all the way back to the office where I'm sitting now. And I had a feeling that it was sitting on a chair because I was taking too many things at once. And sure enough, there was the black rucksack with the thing in it. So I managed to get back there in time. That's why you always go to these things like three hours early so you can make those mistakes. So it's been a stressful little week. But you know what? The best part of it is, the best part of it is sitting down every week to talk to you good folks. And we have a bit of a dinger of an episode coming up today now because... um, We've uh, been, like this will actually be the second week in a row where we're sort of outside Stockholm, apart from my waffling about all the Nobels and prison, not finding things, electronics, and what have you. So this week we're going to talk to Graham Reggie Reynolds. Now I'll have to ask him a question, but as far as I know, he's from County Wicklow, and Graham has been out. Uh, he's one of actually he's not the best but he's the second best fly fisher in Sweden at the moment you'll remember a few weeks ago we were talking to Alan Dalton about bird watching and uh, and fly fishing Alan's big into the fly fishing right but Reggie actually competes right Reggie Reynolds competes at this and he takes it very very seriously and his good wife Malena puts up with any amount of him disappearing off for the weekend and into some fjord or into some lake or into some place anywhere along the coast and going fishing competitively so we're going to have a little bit of a chat with him but before we do that, right, it's a bit of a world exclusive now, coming to the good people who listen to the Irish and Sweden podcast, because you know what, that's how good you all are. That's, this is just how much you deserve it, right? And thanks to the feedback and the numbers and so many people getting in touch, and often when we meet and you come up to me and you say how much you appreciate this podcast, and lads, I'll never not be blown away by that, right? I'll never not be blown away by the fact that I do something here every week and it reaches you and that you enjoy it, right? That's... I don't do this for money, I don't do this for, for anything, I mean it helps obviously, but Jesus, the reason you do this is because you want to, to reach out to people, you want to connect with people, and you people connect with me through this podcast in such a fantastic way that means so much to me, but I was thinking to myself, Jesus, if it works well in Lulio, and if it works well in Yavla, and in Urubro where Reggie Reynolds is living with Maliana, and in Gothenburg where Paul Curley and where Warren are, and down in Malmo where you have Kevin Dunn and, and the rest of the crowd down there, um, if it works well, why can't, we, why can't we go up a little notch? Why can't we do it for the global Irish community? And not only that, but then you start thinking about the likes of Sophie Murphy, who I think is going for her second stint in the Swedish Irish Society Committee, and you think to yourself, well, Sophie was born abroad. Why should she be excluded from this? And why, in fact, should Sophie's children be excluded from this if that day ever were to come and God were to bless her in that way, right? So that sort of spawned the idea, if you will, of over the last year of doing a new podcast, right? So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you the audio version of a, a video that's going to be published this week. And I want to hear what you think of it, right? So here comes the audio version. I'm not going to say any more than that. But here comes the audio version. And we'll see what you make of the whole thing. 
There's no such thing as an ordinary Irish person abroad. From London to LA, Toronto to Tokyo, every one of them is unique. Great stories, tall tales, great characters, in the arts and business and sport, whether they left last week or in the last century, or were born thousands of miles from Earl Green Isle. My name is Philip O'Connor, and I'm going to get them to tell you their stories. The famous, the infamous, the unsung heroes, from the four corners of the world to your headphones. The Global Gale, coming soon to your favourite podcast platform. So that's it, boys and girls. There'll be a new podcast coming soon. It'll be on the same feed, the Arrowman and Stockholm feed. You can support it in the same way by being a, a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. The first episode is, you might hear a voice that you recognise on it, and uh, the other guest on it, I, was, I recorded the interview when I was in America there a few weeks ago. So we'll throw it out there and see. And when I do do that, and when the video comes out and that kind of thing, I, I really will be begging you, right? I'll be on my hands and knees begging you to share it because a lot of effort got into this and a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into getting these things done. You don't want to just fucking throw it out there and see it sink or swim. So I'd love to get the thing to work, you know? And uh, with a community of 70 million Irish people worldwide, or Jesus, lads, if we can't make this work, we'll make nothing work anyway. Um, before we get into the interviews, just to let you know that uh, the Stockholm Gales finished off their soccer season last night. It was a, a 4-1 loss, unfortunately, to one of the top teams of the league. And it was like, it was a weird game because they went 2-0 down and then they just dominated the other crowd in the second half. Got a goal back through a penalty and then the referee gave two. Uh, it was like a penalty. Or was it a penalty? Uh, oh no, it was a free kick in the edge of the box. I was like, ah, Jesus, what was that for, you know? Uh, and then he gave them a corner, which wasn't a corner, and they scored two goals, obviously, from there, and you'd be going to bed. And then was, they'd handle the ball one more time in the box, and then there was a terrible tackle in the box, and there was all sorts of things. So we were left giving up with the referee, which is never a good look, but look at, you know, they were way better than the 4-1 scoreline suggests. And I put out a call there during the week, part of it via the podcast and via the social media for the uh, the Gales, Stockholm Gales, EF as it's officially called. And it was brilliant to see so many people coming down. Paddy Black was down and Sophie was down and Emma Ridge was there and Jesus, like, um, so Lydia was there, her boyfriend Aiden is playing for the team, great Glasgow head. And it was brilliant to see so many people out on a Wednesday night. It wasn't actually that cold, so, so the winter isn't quite here yet, but that was brilliant. Another man who was down was Zach Elbuzadi, who's uh, playing for AIK. And um, he's been having a little bit of a tough time of it lately now. I think he was uh, he didn't make the squad for the game on Sunday, but we're hoping he'll be back for the game against Helsingborg. But he's in great form. Like, I mean, an amazing... Uh, athlete an amazing uh, attitude to the whole thing like you know certain people will be worn down in his situation and I expected when I, I was going to meet him that I thought Jesus you know the poor young will be having a tough but he's so professional and he's so dedicated and he's not you know that's why he's a professional athlete maybe and, and me and hundreds like me aren't is because you know the, you, you just won't go the extra mile you're just not prepared to make the sacrifices that he makes so if you have a chance I think AIK have a few home games coming up you know but we talked about uh, Shamrock Rovers are coming over here in the very near future at the start of November now I haven't got the date in my head but I'll get back to you and we might do a sort of a special Irish in Sweden podcast uh, just to to give the Shamrock Rovers fans an idea of where they should go when they're here right now we might organise a live podcast for when they're here as well so we might bump into them and see what we can do so if you have any tips or that kind of crack send me a message on Instagram or drop some a comment on LinkedIn or whatever 
uh, and we'll add them to the podcast that we're going to have and I'll ask Zach where the best places are to go and of course he'll be able to give me a few tips because he would have played several derby games against you going down his time and he played on the artificial turf at the Telly 2 Arena so we'll have a little chat with him before all that happens uh, as I said the season changes it's amazing how quick a second season in Swedish football has gone you know uh, and it's a fairly wild season as well. So one of the places I'm sure that if Zach doesn't suggest it, I will, uh, that the Shamrock Rovers fans go to, and that's Veerstrom's pub in Gamla Stan. Uh, Martin Hessian has always been a great supporter of me, of the Irish community, and of this podcast in particular. So boy, Jesus, we'll be sending them there on match day. Perfect spot for the boys and girls, right? Lovely, plenty of places to sit, plenty of great beers on tap, and it's uh, on the green line. So you trot down to Gamla Stan there like I did when I thought that I'd lost me fucking rigsack, uh, me rigsack, me rucksack this morning and uh, you can go down there you can be out to the telly 2 arena fairly sharpish and uh, it's grand there's a couple of other Irish bars around there but obviously Veerstrums is the place to go now if you want to support this podcast as I did mention patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm so it'll be the our man Stockholm podcast the Irish and Sweden podcast the global gale podcast there's more episodes of premier Swedes coming for a five and a month lads she you'd be mad not to and then of course there's the swish if you want to be a sort of a once off contributor and just get it out of the way one two three two four two four one six Right, isn't it about time we got to some of the interviews this week? Now, we'll get to Reggie Reynolds in one second, but before we do that, we have a quick little interview. It was not that quick, geez, but it was quick enough. A really, really good friend of mine here in Sweden called Pelle Bloom from the town of Orebro. A man more interested in Ireland would be hard to find than this fella, and you'll hear why now when I'm having a chat with him, right? He has written a new novel, and he was looking for people on social media to go and buy the thing in advance, right? Just to pay him the money in advance to make sure that the thing got published. I think it's the second time he self-published a book and the book is about Ireland. It's called From Bangor with Love, and it, most of it, are a good, a goodly part of the book, if you like, takes place in Ireland. So I said that I'd support him, and I put it in front of you. Now, he needed 200 people to order the book, which is in Swedish, just to get the thing going. And then, you know, so I thought by bringing them on here that, you know, there might be a few of you that might be interested in supporting the project, and it turns out that he got the 200. That's still no reason not to support him. So the more people that uh, that support him at the beginning, the better it's going to be for him. So if you can imagine sort of supporting the book, he'll tell you a little bit what the whole thing is about and the plot of it. And if you're interested, go ahead. But just fascinating guy, has taken groups to, to Ireland, is a huge fan of Hurland, really enjoys that kind of thing and music and that. But uh, let's have a little chat with him down in Orobro. I'd hope to do this in person, but I didn't get a chance. We did it over Zoom late in the week there before we're bringing it to your ears. So here he is, Pella Bloom, big fan of the Pogues and all things Ireland, about his new book, From Bangor with Love, and how you can get your hands on it, and indeed how you can get your name in it. <laughs> about a book idea that you had and it seems to me that you've managed to get that book completely written uh, and now it's out and the great news is that just before we got on this call you were telling me that the book is actually going to happen now there's enough people who've pre-ordered it so it's going to happen so congratulations but would you like yeah. to tell the listeners a little bit about what that book is about uh the book is uh, first a bit short i said it's a it's a book about longing it's about love dreams violence and freedom and a new future you can say and um it's uh, it's about a person um, called his name is peter and uh, he lives uh, uh, well he's kind of a, he lost his track in life and uh, he's longing for a new identity 
and uh, he's stuck between his old self and whatever whatever he's looking for really and then he meets a mysterious woman who reminds him of some old letters that he has at home and um, the letters is that when peter was a teenager he was uh, um, had a pen pal a girl that he met from Cyprus who lives in Bangor in Northern Ireland. And, uh, and uh, this mysterious woman tells him about this. And that's 35 years ago since he, since he uh, was thinking about her. And now he was, will track her down and meet her again after 35 years. So he went away in a road trip to Ireland, all around Ireland. And that's where the, the, the plot is really and where the story begins. Fantastic. It sounds fascinating. And I know you, you had asked me previously, we're going to tell people full disclosure here. You'd asked me previously to have to read through it during the summer there. And unfortunately, I never got the thing finished. But it sounds like a fascinating idea. Pelle, I know you as a journalist and as a footballer and as somebody who's very interested in Ireland. I, I don't think I would have expected you to tell me you are writing like a love story. But as you say, it's a story about longing and love as well, right? Yeah, an identity, you can say also, a kind of an, a midlife crisis. It's, it's a cliche, really, when you write books and stuff like that. But, but uh, I take it a, a little bit further. And, uh, and these letters, which, uh, to be honest, it's uh, true. That, that part of, of, of the story is true, that I, I, I did meet a, a girl when I was a teenager. But the, the story is fiction, pure, the rest of it. But uh, that's what... Uh, uh, make me writing the book really because i have written a lot of short stories before about island and about all this identity thing but i didn't really connect it as a as a novel mm. but now when i when i was start thinking about those letters i could get it this the love story and very easy it's uh yeah, well a bit complicated you can say mm. um it's fascinating because it reflects back to a different time before social media and before Tinder and before all these things. It's like people actually writing letters. I think we were even joking about it on the podcast last week, you know, so it's a lovely sort of, you know, memory of, of the time when people used to do things like that. Uh, the, the person that you exchanged letters with way back, was that, was that person from Bangor in County Down or is that just something that, you know, you decided you were going to place it there? No, she's, uh, she's from Bangor, but she's been living in uh, London for many years. And then I think she moved back because I, I tried to see, you know, uh, about social media. I was trying to find her. But, you know, it's uh, a, a woman uh, get married and uh, change names and everything. So, so I haven't really found her, but, uh, but uh, she lived in Bangor. So it's, uh, I thought that in a while I thought that I should make it a fiction that also but just because i've been uh, traveling a lot in ireland i really would like to 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 put uh, the story in those places where it really is in in that kind of way so so and but of course in bangor i've never been but i, I read a lot about it and i you know i've been uh, googling it a lot so uh, so it was a choice i did and i i think it's um, it's fun also that i did it yeah um when I met you, the very first day that I met you, I actually thought you were taking the piss, right? I thought you were winding me up and having fun at my expense with our good friend Patrick Walker, who also lives in Odebro. 
because you mentioned a band to me that I thought no Swedish person had ever heard of. And that was a band called Cactus World News, right? Um, yeah. And then you explained to me about, you know, how much you enjoyed the early U2 albums and that. Just Could you explain just where your interest in Ireland and Irish culture and Irish music comes from? Uh, did that come from U2? Was it around before that? Did it grow out of the music? Yeah, it comes from the music. Uh, it comes from uh, U2. I, I got my first U2 uh, single or what it was about 1981 and that was quite early uh, and uh, but at that point i didn't think that well you two is from ireland and i i wasn't uh, i didn't know anything about ireland at that time but but uh, i started uh, listening to them and they they became my favorite band in the early days um, and then uh, a bit later i think about around 1984, 1985, I started listening to the Pogues, and the Pogues is is my you know my favorite band of all time, and and uh, because of the Pogues, I was start listening to the to the lyrics, and then got me to the Dubliners, and that got me to the to the Irish folk music, and and that got me to the history of Ireland, and and uh, that really you know got me. I, I was really really interested in uh, when I could see the history about all this fighting and, and all this longing compared a bit to Sweden, because you know that in Sweden, many people went to to United States also, exactly like in Ireland. And, uh, and also this struggling and fighting for the freedom, it was, it caught, caught me really, really strong. And then when I got up to the Northern Ireland and all about the troubles and uh, <laughs> the Belfast and Derry and all the things that had happened there, I was really interested in that also. So it, it's it's been a long time, long life interest in in Ireland and Ireland culture. And it, in some way, it's for me, it it, it feels like it's um, many, in many ways I feel at home when I read about it and I listen to the music and everything. But of course, living in Ireland should be different. I know that because, the, uh, but, but this kind of feeling is uh, is really really strong. So I, I like it. I've had the pleasure of your company in Croke Park watching rugby. We've been to see an All-Ireland hurling final together. We've wow. uh, I've watched as you were taught how to speak Irish in Derry. Um, during the pandemic, of course, there was no travel, there was no tourism. And you've been known to bring groups of people who share this interest in Ireland over there, groups of Swedish people over there. Have you plans to do that again in the future, do you think? I hope so. We, we are trying to get together a new group, but uh, all this traveling had, had changed. I mean, the prices is much higher and, and it's not, not that easy to find the, the, the route to, to, to that fit for the, for, the, for the travel. So, but hopefully we, we are aiming for, I don't think we will reach May next year, but maybe September next year we will try. We have, we have about, I think we have about 25 people who are interested, but of course it's going to be a much... Uh, uh, well, not that easy, so it's going to be more complicated. But the aim is to do it, and we love to do it because my um, the person that I arranged this with is a musician in Irish music. So we go on the west side mostly to small pubs and visiting uh, mus musicians and uh, and uh, and listen to music in uh, in the nights and uh, and then in the daytime we do normal tourist stuff and we also uh visiting um a six six mile bridge and a torpy hurley to uh, so to learn more about uh, hurling for for the group so that that's i've been there for three or four times so sean torpy and me we we know each other and i like him very much 
I love it. There's a photograph going around of you with a hurling helmet with a stick in your hand. That's one of my favorite photographs of all time. Pelle, <laughs> you've loved Irish music for the best part of 40 years and you've gone on this journey and then you bring other Swedish people with you. What's it like to stand at a pub in Clare and watch them experience this for the first time? Do they know what to expect, you know, when they walk through the door of some pub with you? Uh <clears throat> You know, it, it's really, it, it's a bit, uh, some people, you know, become in love directly when they come in in these pubs because the, the, the atmosphere is, is, uh, is wonderful. Sometimes when you sit there, it's dark and there are all, always a band or, or some musicians sitting there playing and, and one is leaving and another one is coming in and they just join together <laughs> at all time. And I mean, uh, one of the, I know that it's, it's a really tourist place, but uh, the Gasso Connor in Doolin, uh, they always have a lot of musicians, and I just yesterday I watched an old uh, film that uh, from from this pub, and there were so many. Uh, I mean, I think it was about ten people playing at that time, and it was children, and it was old people, and it was everything in between. And this atmosphere really gets for the the people that we bring there. But some of them really is only interested in you know whiskey and uh, and uh, an island as 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 a, you know the. In, as a tourist country really so so it's it's quite a bit but many of them are, are also very interested in music I mean, we've been sitting uh, in in uh, in a pub only we together with uh, with uh, with the two really professional players in uh, what, what do you call it in in english sec pipa in in swedish oh, yeah well it's the bagpipes but the ilan pipes is usually the the ones yeah yeah the ilan pipes yeah. yeah the ilan yeah. pipes and, and they i think one of them were a part of the dervish uh, band oh, dervish, yeah. yeah so you know we really got good connections to get good musicians to to listen to so so ulle which is is the partner of this he's great and he's been playing this music for many years and playing in ireland also I might have to invite myself along the next time yourself and Ole are bringing a group over from Sweden. That'd make a fucking brilliant podcast now doing that. Yeah. Um, Pelle, the book is called... Now, this is not the last time we're talking about this, because when the book is coming down, we're doing this uh, over Zoom at the moment, and I really want to see you face-to-face and to talk more about the book and your love of Ireland and that. And if there's anybody listening to this podcast from Tourism Ireland down below in Copenhagen, lads, get in touch with me, and I'll put you in touch with Pelle and Ola, because we need to sort them out. We need to get them back on that particular circuit. But... um. 200 people have already pre-ordered the book, which is called From Bangor with Love, and it'll be out. When do you expect to get it in, and how can people support it if they want to? Uh, they can support it with uh, if they, uh, well, in Sweden, if they have Swish <laughs> to, to send money over, only the 199 Swedish crown, and if you want to send it, it's uh, 65 more crowns to, to send it out in Sweden. But uh, So that, that's how you can support it. And now it's up in 215, so it's really been great to see this. In one week, I have been uh, got this uh, financial uh, to, to, to start it. And uh, now it's not only up to me. The, the text is written, so it's, it's okay. Uh, and now I have one person who's, uh, I don't know what to call it in English, but who's going to put this text into this, you know, yeah, to, to make the book, who, who, who send it to, to the one who's going to print it. Yeah, the typesetter, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I need the, the cover also to the, to the book. But, um, and then it's up to the, to, to the one who's going to print it. And uh, I have two, two options, one in Italy and one in, um, 
well, I forgot where the other one is, but, uh, and, uh, but they told me that maybe five, six, seven weeks. So I'm not sure that I'm gonna make it until Christmas. I really hope so, but probably not. And then it's gonna be in, in, in the other side of, of the next year. So. Well, look at one way or the other, we'll have it for St. Patrick's Day next year, right? So if, people, if people go into your Twitter feed, for instance, at P Bloom, B-L-O-H-M, they'll find it there. We'll include the Swish number in the show notes as well. The book is written in Swedish. It's 199 crowns for the book and 65 crowns for the postage. And the people who, who sort of contribute, who order it before it gets printed, you're actually going to print their names in the book too, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I did the same with my uh, autobiography, which I released in uh, 2017. And uh, so I made it at that time also. So so there, it's in the back in the book. Uh, every name is there as a supporter. So is, is it very stressful doing that, Pelle, when you're sort of, you know, it's self-publishing your own books, but you manage to get people to pay you in advance, which is I think it's amazing that people are willing to support you in that way. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, well, my autobiography, I thought that that would I would make it because as a former football player, I, there is a lot of supporters who could be interested in what I write about the clubs and everything, my time in the club. But this time it's a novel and I never thought it's going to be in one week that I should uh, get the finance to, to uh, well, to, to make the book. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm re- really, really, I'm so happy for it. So... So it's a, it's a kind of trust, you can say, that I've been, I've been writing uh, for many years and I know that I have a few supporters that, that they love the way that I'm writing and um, uh, especially around where my hometown, but also out in the, in the rest of Sweden. So, so uh, it, it's really great to have it. And uh, after this, when we speak, I'm gonna go down to a pub or a, a bar and have a great drink and then thank everybody for, supporting me because this this is unbelievable this really well let me tell you something for nothing pal the irish and sweden podcast always has your back count us among your many supporters hopefully a few that will order the book i've ordered a few myself and they will be given away as soon as the book is published we'll give them away to listeners on this podcast it's in swedish from banger with love pella bloom is the man we will include the swish number so you can support him for now my friend thanks so much and i'll see you either in stockholm or in orobro in the very near future and we'll talk some more <laughs> Thank you. There you go. One of my favourite people to hang out with in general here in Sweden. Um, Pelle was, like I say, a fascinating character, right? He has written two books already. Um, One was about his time in football. So he was a professional football player here in Sweden. And then in 1996, he was offered the chance to go and play football in China, right? Now, in later years, you would have seen, you know, all sorts of, you know, really well-known players going and playing out the last year or two of their career in Sweden. Oh, sorry, in, in China. And indeed, a few Swedish players who went over there and made a huge amount of money, like millions every year. But Pelle was one of the first of them. In 1996, he went over there and he was one of the first Westerners to play in the Chinese league. And 
the first book is called in Swedish it's called Pioneer in the Middle Kingdom which is a fantastic book about his experiences over there because as you can hear from the idea for the book about being longing and uh, about you know longing and a sense of liberty and this kind of thing you know he's very much a free spirit and he went over to China with long hair but of course that was seen as being bourgeois by the communist government at the time and he got involved in all sorts of battles with people over there they were telling him you have to cut your hair you can't wear an earring and he was going no no this is who I am I'm not doing that you know and he stood up to them and the book is just a wild tale of the time that he spent over there now, he did very well over there and came back and then he played in uh, for a Geist down in Gothenburg so there's a few Geist fans I know listening to the podcast and he played in Norway for a while but he suffered a fairly serious injury I think he broke his leg in Norway and that was sort of the beginning of the end if you like and he probably finished playing about 20 years ago and then had a very long career as a TV pundit but that's a weird business as well because you know you're either you're in or you're out and for a good while he was in and he was very popular uh, he was on Canal Femme here and then he was doing the Alsvenskan and then all of a sudden you know new producers came in he was sort of shuffled out never to come back again and I think it's a shame because he's an extremely good analyst of the game of football he used to play in central midfield himself and really well you know got a great eye for the game and that kind of thing so yeah if you can support his book we will throw the Swish number in the show notes there and you can find him at P Bloom on Twitter as well and support it if you can and then when it comes out I'll tag him and I might put out a bit on Instagram as well you know just to support him a little bit but listen it's time to move up the road from one man in Ordebro to another man in Ordebro when he's at home that is to say uh, as I say Reggie Reynolds is from County Wicklow and an absolute wild man altogether when it comes to things like fly fishing and I've noticed over the last few years in social media since he moved here, God almighty, Reggie's here for ages now. I know back when we were starting up the GEA was around about the time when he was arriving in Sweden and we were always sort of trying to get him to come up. Now, he sort of lived in the Midlands the whole time so it was difficult for him to get involved. But he's just been somebody who's been always around and, you know, when he comes up to Stockholm and goes for a few points with lads up here, I know he's quite friendly with Carl Lambert, another Wicklow man who's been on the podcast in the past. So I've noticed recently that he's been doing, you know, he always did a lot of uh, fishing and fly fishing and that, but I've just noticed more and more over the last while, which prompted a conversation with him. It's gone, Reggie, is this what you do? Is this your job now, is it? And then it's just gone nuts altogether. So he's been competing a lot lately. And there's some brilliant news in the podcast uh, interview that we did, because I didn't quite realise exactly how successful he had become lately. But should I let him tell you himself, this is Reggie Reynolds, all the way from County Wicklow to the waterways of Sweden about fly fishing and family and all things in between. There's a question I've always wanted to ask you, and I'm going to start there because who knows, I may never get the chance again. Why is your name Graham, but does everybody call you Reggie? Ah, yeah, the... The story behind Reggie, that's um that must go back to when I was about fourteen, fifteen and used to play for uh Wickler Rovers football club, soccer club. And yeah, uh, I was the goalkeeper. So there was this um there was oh, I don't remember now, but there was there was a a fairly famous uh International goalkeeper Reggie Suttonruder was his name, and uh, so it, that kind of stuck. He wasn't very good, and apparently I wasn't very good either. So <laughs> I got that name from many moons ago, Phil. Um, and it, it stuck throughout school and 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 throughout, yeah, a good over twenty five years now it must be. 
And it's all it's all over Facebook and everything. I know it's like you know your friends and your family and that kind of, that kind of thing that they use. Yeah, it's it's Do you mind it or it's just become? No, no, no. I, I I've had it since as far long as I can remember, sure. Yeah, it's just become part of you, like you know. Yeah, and then um, I mean, if someone calls me Grime, I'd look at them. I'm like, what? That's mad, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. I always had this thing when I was in school. I always wanted to call people by, you know, if you're given name, right? Mm. Because you know, my I think it was me. Dad always said your name is your own, you know. And he was never he never had any nicknames and that kind of thing himself, you know. Mm. I said, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a thing. So I never really used it. And the only two people who I use it with, I use it with you and another friend of mine who's also called Reggie, who lives in Galway. His nickname is Reggie as well. So you know, that's yeah. it. Uh, enough of the, the name talk and everybody else like that, right? Last weekend, you were taking part in a fishing competition. Tell me what all that was about. Yeah, that's um, that would have been a the third qualifier within the season uh, of, of competitions that we hold throughout the summer. And, and obviously, last week would have been well into the autumn. So what that is, is um, you fish... You fish two. You can fish them all, but but you fish two two scores out of your your three, like are are counted. Then you know. And then you tot up your scores, and it's oh, it's a complicated system. But I can go through that if you want. Uh, so basically, two two you count two of your best scores, and uh, the top five, um, that will have the best scores. Obviously, one five, and then um they are they qualify for the. The national team, the Swedish fly fishing national team. So, um, the first one was in uh, Malung, a little north from Erbru, where I live, about three hours drive. Um, that was primarily after uh, a fish called grayling in the Swedish where we had ha or or um and and brown trout. There's brown trout up there as well, but primarily it was just the uh, the grayling like we were targeting in that competition. Mm. Um, so that uh, that went quite well. I got I got third place in that. I got a bronze medal in that one. And uh, then we travelled way up north to Pitio, where Jesus. we competed in the SM Swedish Masters. And that was also a qualifying round. And then last week, as you asked me, that was in um, Sorkvarns Forsham in Halstahammer, just Erbro uh, side of Vesteros. Okay, yeah. And that would have been the third and final uh, competition this season, Phil. So, in the SM, I got um. Sorry, my apologies. I got silver actually in, in Malung, and then I got I got bronze in SM, and then I got silver last week. That's so a hell of a season, up. Reg. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You know, there's a. I mean, obviously, with a lot of. There's there's a bit of luck involved in in what beats you get, and if you're look, looking primarily looking for fast waters, you know, mm. so you can like the flies will naturally drag down along the current, and then the fish pick them off. Like, mm. and obviously you have to weigh in weigh in like uh, the the depths and the color of the flies and and the presentation and your casting techniques. I mean, everything has to come together all at once. Like you know, mm. um. So with so they would have counted up my two second places. Obviously, would have been my best possible outcome. So I did. I got word um that I qualified for the Swedish team. So, so you're on so the Swedish team now for next year, yeah, to, to fish in the 
in the World Championship since Slovakia. Unbelievable, Reg. Congratulations, man. That's fantastic. Thanks, Thanks very much. Really. I, I was I, trying to work okay. out from the scores and that, and I kind of thought it was a winner-take-all kind of thing. And I saw yeah. you getting the silver medal, and then I saw you getting the silver medal last week, and I was going, oh, shit, I hope he hasn't missed it. But you so got you onto the getting, team, anyway. Yeah, you might have been getting confused. I think I've seen this. Have I not seen this? But yeah, well, that was it. No, I, I knew that, that was the thing. I didn't understand the actual qualifying process, you know, because you, you sort of thought I would only be one person. It'd be only the cha- like the Champions League when it started, like, you know, yeah. it'd only be the champion going forward. I thought, oh, exactly. God, because you were so close. And the tournament on over right, half weekend, it was over two days, wasn't it? Yeah, all, all, all the competitions are over uh, three sectors. Mm-hmm. So you'd have a Saturday morning sector, uh, the afternoon on the Saturday, and then the Sunday morning. So you'd have three sectors. And each sector is three hours. Yeah. And each three hour sector or session, you can call it, is 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 split in the middle. So you'll have one and a half hour, you're fishing a beat, maybe sector in the morning, and then you're fishing beat uh five, for example. And then you fish that allotted um sector for um or beat for an hour and a half, and it could be a hundred meters long. Mm-hmm. And you'll have like uh You'll have your border each side, like, and you won't be able to go up past that, or you won't be able to go down. Okay, so you what, have your own specific section, and do, yeah. is there anybody else in that section, or are you there? No, I, I, I'm, I am only allowed fish that for that yeah. one allocated one and a half hour session. Yeah. Now, how is that determined? Uh, all the competitors would meet on on the Friday evening for the lottery or the mm. draw, like. And that can take an hour to an hour and a half, like because there's a lot of writing down and a lot of numbers and letters come out of where the beats are. And okay. um, would it be a lot yeah, of rows over that as well, Reg? Because you know, there's some areas are better than others, right? Well, it would be, yeah, there would be. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you know the river well and and you know roughly where one of the beats are going to be, and you maybe get that beat, and you're probably thinking, oh, I, have a, I have a good start in the morning, yeah. So I, I'll be, you know quite optimistic like and 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 I'd be going to bed thinking that you know I have a good start on this competition. Or then it could go go the other way then, you know, and you could um you might you might know, oh geez, I fished that beat last year and didn't get a thing out of it. Like yeah, yeah. you'd be going to bed uh, with a sour puss on your face. Like but I mean you you make do with what you have. Like you have to just get out and grind it. And I mean if you have to get out out into the water up to your chest like to get to get the fish or push yourself that little bit further to maybe a deeper a deeper hole where you where it's gonna hold fish like you, you really have to challenge yourself yeah i mean where how we wait it's not for the faint of heart to look that's what I was going to say, right? Because pike fishing in general, that kind of thing, that, that seems to be for the softies, right? You're sitting there in a boat, you have a load of technology and the depth yeah. and the temperature and all this kind of thing. But yeah. fly fish, the kind of fly fishing you do, that's for the fucking hardcore, isn't it? And it would be like, you know, I mean, you have your dry fly fishing as well, which is nice to do. And that can be kind of recreation at the weekends. And you're imitating a, a dry fly that kind of sits on the water and naturally floats down. Mm. And then the type of fishing, fly fishing we're doing is like you're you're imitating basically what the fish are feeding subsurface. Okay. Before they rise up and become flies. Mm-hmm. So you're you're really like you're you're hunting you're hunting the fish you're 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 fishing your each uh, depth certain depths and then you're going further out and you're basically hunting uh, with your nymphs that's what they're called. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but with dry fly, you know, you're you're just basically you can ca- you're casting anywhere where it's kind of slow water, and you're basically just waiting for a a, a trout or a grayling to rise and take that fly. Yeah. Like, but w- with the name fishing, you have to cover every part of your beak. Like, yeah, yeah, you have you to know. get yourself in there everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how much is it? You know the way sometimes we go. I'm getting nothing here. Uh, but you know, you go. Oh, will I move over here? Will I stay where I am? Because if I stay, you know, maybe they might get active all of a sudden. You know, and is there times in the day as well, Graham, where you could say, okay, well, you know, that uh, birds feed at certain times of the day, right? Certain mm-hmm. species feed at certain times. Can you predict any of that with with what you're doing? You know, like you know, or do they all yeah. eat, eat eat at the one time? Like you know, you, I, I think you work in the plumbing business. You know, so everybody has yeah. their lunch at about fucking half nine in the morning where you are, right? It's quite the opposite. Like to have, yeah, to have the lunch for the breakfast and the breakfast for the lunch. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm half Swedish now, so I, I'm having spaghetti bolognese at nine o'clock. Like, so. <laughs> right. yeah, I didn't see that happen. You know? would, <laughs> would the fish be going for the flies that early in the morning? Would they? Oh, they would, yeah. Well, they say, um, it's similar like the early bird catches the worm. Like, I mean, they'd be feeding once the sun comes up, yeah. Um, the wild fish now. More north from say Stockholm or Brew, north you're starting to get into the higher ground, and that's so why you're starting to get faster water. Yeah, so that's like from around where I'm living and you're living there. If you draw a line from Stockholm to basically or Brew and then go south, like you're not gonna find grayling, no, and very rarely would you find areas where the um they have natural stocks of wild brown trout as they're living up in the more higher uh mountainous areas like mm. or up in the you know even the hills even look of marlon yeah. but um they do the the um the natural fish feed throughout the day yeah now last week's competition was fishing for big um big rainbow trout they're, and they're stocked they're stocked two or three times a year into the river and they also stock brown trout. They they come from like fish farms, like you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, we and they're just let uh, they're just let out into the wild, then are they? They're let they're let out into the into the fast water, yeah. And um, they kind of stay in around that area for most of the summer because the oxygen in in the faster water is um is it's it's more generated like mm. with, with the waterfalls and. You know, it's flowing. It's not stagnant water; like it's constantly flowing. So that's gonna build up the oxygen level, and uh, they thrive in that. Like they literally, they thrive in, and they become stronger fish. Um. So when we catch them, like they're like torpedoes, and they, they'll go just go down river. Yeah. Kind of follow them. But getting back to the your point you made about um, when's the best time to fish? I mean, obviously, evening time and early morning. Mm. For brown trout, anyway, yeah. um, and grayling when we were up there training, we we were up in Malung a good few times now, and uh, the, I mean you'd be you'd be getting big numbers throughout the day, Phil. You know, like yeah. it's because they're they're just in, they're, they're they're in such abundance up there, like you're just gonna get nearly a bite or a fish on every cast. Is and, that right? Would it be that frequent? Yeah. Because, now I have to say my right. experience of fishing is like you know. I've probably been two or three times, you know, and mm. sometimes you get away with it having nothing at all. But literally every time you cast out yeah, there, yeah. you get... I wouldn't always get a big one, but you you might get a 25, 30 centimeter one. Yeah. You know, I got a nice one, nearly 50 centimeters in the summer. 
you probably seen that picture on my Instagram page. Oh, you went mad on that one, didn't you? <laughs> oh, Jesus, it was a PB, as we call it, personal best. Wow. But, um, oh, I was a beautiful fish, and she swam back. Everything's catch and release, you know. We, we just yeah. practice catch and release. And then we fish barbless hooks as well, so it's um makes it more challenging as well. You have to have complete contact with the fish and your rod like can't be yeah. any slack line and that's good for the competitions as well so it yeah. makes you better angler and uh probably the most important thing is the fish uh it's a quick release and the fish yeah, will yeah. be unharmed they don't suffer that yeah no but then the the rain the rainbow trout now last year for example or la- last week in the competition for example phil the um the uh the rainbow trout in that river were acting very strange because um I had talking to a friend uh he was on a different beat and we kind of um we kind of discussed and threw a few things back and forth with each other think oh when did you get your first tree fish hmm. and I got I got them at like um say it was like half three in the afternoon on a Saturday and he looked at me and goes do you know I I didn't get one bite until half three and that's when they turned on yeah. They, we say turn turned on, but we mean like when they start to feed, like basically. Yeah, yeah. So one of the guys said, "This is basically half answering your original question. Uh, when is the best time? When did they feed? Like, but we we estimate that maybe those fish started feeding because they had some sort of a mechanism or a, a thought process in their small brains that it it was time to feed. Yeah, because that might have been the time that they would have been fed in the fish farms. Yeah, so it's sort of learned behavior then, yeah. Yeah, so the so the and the those fish would have only been put in three or four days before the competition, yeah. so they would have been still under um fish farm uh, rules and and Jesus gas now to mention kind of thing. Yeah, because like you were saying that thing of you know you become sort of Swedish and you're eating your lunch at nine o'clock in the morning. So Jesus, you're not a whole lot different from the fish, you know. But come here to me. Where, where did this interest come from, Reg? Because as long as I've known you, you've been putting those pictures up there. This is not something you picked uh, up over here. You obviously started. In uh, Wicklow, no, you know? I know. Yeah, I've. Uh, I would have started fishing probably when I was about ten, mm. nine or ten, I would say, and uh, I would have been fishing with me, with the father, like in Wicklow, um, in the rivers there, on on the beaches up the Murrah there, and um, we would have been fishing down British Bay. You were, a lot of your listeners would wouldn't have that beach down there. But um then I kind of as I get into my teenage years, I started to uh, get more into the fly fishing. Yeah. Um at about 13, 14, kind of self-thought really. Yeah. I mean back then we we'd know like we'd know uh social media influencers, we you know, we'd know YouTube to go by. It was just Trout and Salmon magazine once a month. And the mother would give me a few quid for that, and I'd buy it. And I just look through it all and I'd read the, the posts. And I mean, I, I then as I got older and the technology started to come out, like you know, you you could. I mean, back then you would have been buying, I probably I'd say I have a couple of VHSs now, fly guys doing the fly fishing documentaries and stuff, and then uh, I've mountains of DVDs that the mother probably still has in the garage somewhere. It's cast, but it started, it started back that far, like you know, and then um, then I just got in. I'd say about fifteen, sixteen. I I I got into the interest of uh, tying my own flies. Yeah, how hard is it to do that, Reg? Well, I mean, it's like asking the question: How long is a piece of string? <laughs> how how hard is it to tie a fly? I could give you a pattern that could be very very simple, and you could 
literally tie five of them in half an hour yeah. with me beside you. Yeah. And on your fifth one, you'd see significant um improvements you know, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd 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 be um definitely getting better at it. Like yeah. And I could tie a pattern that might have eight to ten different types of material in it, like on a really small fly. And you have to make sure that you have a space on that fly and that you have you haven't overtied in too much material. Yeah. So um, basically, that's what it is. It's you're imitating the insect life, uh, subsurface and above. And and if you get that wrong, the the fish just goes, "I'm fucking not having that. That looks uh, dodgy. That looks awful." Like yeah, it. it could be the simplest thing. It could be the tail. Could be the wrong color fill, or it could be the wrong tungsten bead on the head. Uh, yeah. That could be a different color. That one day they turn off and they don't like that color. Um, it could be um, the copper rib on the body of it might be a wrong color. Jeez. Um, you could be fishing too deep when the fish are higher up. Yeah, you could be fishing too high when the fish are down deep. So all these things uh come into factor, like you know, yeah. and um, once you get that right, like you generally get a few. But once you start to get one or two on that a particular fly that you're happy with and is working. Um, and, and if you get that, Reg, if you're out there competing and you get that and there's one fly and they're all going mad for it, did you just go, right, fuck it, in with that, keep that? Oh, yeah, I'd have maybe, could, I could have three on the same trace, like. Okay, so there'd be three of them landed there, somehow tied together. Yeah, and that kind you'd of have your trace out from your from your rod, from your fly reel, and you'd have, like, um, the, the, furthest fi- the furthest fly out is called your point fly, and okay. that basically is generally the heaviest fly. Hmm. So that's sinking, it's taking the other two down with it, you see. So okay. then when that when that sinks like that, oh yeah, well, I'm showing you, but the listeners won't be able to see so that. So then, so then your line is basically vertical. So now your your tight line, that's another another uh name for the term we use for Euronymphy. Hmm. So then you have a fly fishing very deep, and then the other two are up in different columns of the water. So you're covering you're covering all your layers, yeah. your, your levels as you go down, like the whole so, span of it kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's um it's it sounds like an amazingly technical sport, Reg. You you think ah look at you know, go out there, have a bit of crack of an afternoon, but there seems to be an awful lot that goes into it. And I'm guessing there's a whole lot of money gets spent on these things as well. Yeah, it's not cheap. Um obviously once you teach yourself to tie a few flies, uh, that's cost effective. But yeah. but I mean the materials is expensive as well, like, but I mean if I'm gonna spend twenty five, thirty crowns, three euros on a on a fly, I mean, if I buy a little bit of all that material, I mean, I could probably tie ten flies f- for one of them, like yeah. So it's cost effective once you know what you're doing and you know that you're gonna use uh the bulk of that material, like. Yeah, yeah. You okay. get your money. Just buy a big feather and then toy one fly with it. Like it's just, it's not, it's not, it's gonna sit in your box for years. You'll never use it. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, you started. You mentioned social media and that kind of thing there, and you you've started a YouTube channel now for fly fishing. Could you just tell me, is that are you the sort of presenter on it, and what's the idea behind it? Oh, you, you, you oh yeah. Sell your yeah. own stuff or what? Fish coin, it's called. It's um, it's an app that a friend of mine, Josh Walker, he's a an Australian from Tasmania. Yep. He's based in Finland. And um, 
couple of years ago we just connected and and and, and you know started to have contact and talking back and forth and then he'd come down to us here in Arbroo in his camper van and we'd hang out and you know we'd you know fishing or whatever and have a bit of a weekend out of it like yeah, um, yeah. so this was his idea from a couple of years ago just having a few beers a drunken night with his friends and he kind of had this uh, premonition like this hasn't been done before mm. so I'm I'm an ambassador for uh, Fishcoin uh, Scandinavia so I'm just pushing the the app uh, and I am uh, just um just giving people a bit of an insight into what it is. Basically, a, a little rundown is that yeah. it's um, it's basically an app. It's now up on all the iOS, Android, and iOS, and it's up on all the all the app stores app there. Stores, yeah. yeah. So it's um, you challenge a mate, you can challenge a mate, or you can challenge the actual app. So, put a long story short, it's uh, say if you want to go out and fish, you can challenge me to a half an hour, uh, fishing competition. Mm-hmm. let's say I can't fish at the same time as you I still get that request so you can go out and do your half an hour uh, fishing challenge and let's say you've put 50 fish coins in the pot and then I put 50 fish coins in the pot and then the winner takes all and it's basically just um, it's just how many fish you catch and then fish coin determine the technology they have on the app they can recognise what fish you've caught you take a picture after you've caught every fish so if it's a rainbow trout, you get maybe nine fish coins for that. Wow. But then basically whoever has the most uh fish coin points at the end of the match uh wins the um the hundred fish coins. You can also it's in purchase apps as well if you want to play bigger games with, with some of your other mates. Right. And the great thing about it is you can fish anybody uh, all over the anybody world. Anybody in the world, basically. You can... Anybody that's on the app, yeah. yeah. You can yeah. And and can you convert the fish coin into into anything useful? Can you buy flies with it or, or good question? That's a great question. Um, you uh, the there'll be a new update now. I think uh, in the new year where you will be able to convert your fish coins to um uh, to use in certain stores and stuff like that. Super. That's a work in progress, but that's definitely in the pipeline. Um. But uh, basically, the main goal at the moment is to rack up as many fish coins as possible. Mm. Because in 2024, we're taking 10 of the top uh, fisher people, whatever you want to call them, mm. anglers, uh, to Florida. So there'll be six, 16, 16 countries. Uh, the top 10 uh, from each country will be taken to the world finals in 2024 to Florida to fish to be the master that it's sounds amazing you know yeah do you know what's true i don't know if you remember a few years ago i did the uh the pike fishing sm the swedish championship in pike fishing i ended up commentating on it and you i remember did? saying i did yeah it's gas like and I, it was on that um i can't remember the name of the channel but the lads i said to them look i know nothing about this and they said you're not supposed to know anything about this you're just supposed to tell us what you see and we'll have an expert there and right, i never realized the size of this thing right competitive fishing in sweden uh, in russia in america in or does people doing this stuff they're going nuts for it completely and you're now no, sort of yeah. a, a big part of that culture right so what's the what's the goal for fishcoin is it to create this community competing against one another around the world and to make that possible for people or what's the story yeah it, it, it it's a, it's it's to give people uh, a little in-depth sight sight into 
you know, a, a, an adrenaline rush of what it's like to compete. Mm. Uh, and the fact that you don't have to be around other competitors. Yeah, yeah. To take part. Well, yeah, um, the, the fact you, you know, don't have to fly anywhere and you don't have to rent a car and, and get your no, stuff and you know, this kind of thing. And I mean, if I if I send you a challenge this evening, Phil, and you look at it and you go, oh, I don't know about that. No, I, I, you can decline it and then you yeah, can hit yeah. me back. You know, it's a bit of banter. Yeah, a bit of crack that's, what, that's what Josh always, uh, he's always pushing. It's the crack and the banter within the app. Like, And then there's a world map on the app where, um, say if you're in somewhere in America, I, I can... I can look you up and, and see if you're on the app and if you are uh, fishing. Yeah. Where you are in the world. Obviously that can be you can turn that off. It's the GPS um yeah, yeah. thing of it like. But um yeah, I think it's gonna be big. That's gonna be very big. I think um, my my head is exploding here with the possibilities <laughs> of that. Because when you think of the way people play chess online and they played Scrabble yeah. online and this kind of thing, and because it's such a dedicated community, like you were saying, with the VHS tapes and magazines and the DVDs, yeah, like people who are yeah. into it are really fucking into it. And that yeah. competitive aspect of it as well, the idea of being able to compete against a guy in the Swedish national team like yourself, yeah. you know. Come here to yeah. me. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, we were sort of discussing this a little bit on Facebook Messenger today was there's a few people have been known to cheat in the business reg you're oh, definitely yeah, yeah. one of them right yeah. there was a case in america there can you just explain to the listeners what happened oh, in yeah. america my jesus tonight turn <laughs> irish for that one um i must have been tagged about 30 times in the week on this team <laughs> people have never even spoke to me in in years yeah. <laughs> yeah so um as you can tell um they were fishing for uh, i think they were called walleye it's a type of bass that can get quite big, you know, a couple of pounds. Yeah. Um, the Americans are mad for their competition fishing. Uh I mean fly fishing may be, be a, a lesser um lesser uh scene over there. Mm. Um but the fact that America's so big, they have their own leagues and everything for this yeah, thing. Yeah. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake mm. for a lot of these end of season winners and stuff just to contrast so, that reggie before you go on there would it would you be any money in this for you now if you win the sm or anything else like that would you get a check from some fella or are you just not at all i i'd be losing money <laughs> i won't say you want to sponsor me you want to sponsor you know what i will take that discussion offline this podcast <laughs> is big enough we'll be right in there you know anyway go on uh, yeah yeah so there's massive money it's basically the professional leagues over there you know hmm. and um so what happened there was um, these guys were pretty new to the scene. Did this correct me, anyone, if if I'm wrong on this? Um, but I've I've kind of got I got the keynotes down about it. Like mm. they were kind of new to it. Uh, they were winning a lot of competitions, and uh, they got up onto the podium, and and the organizer said, "Hold up your fish now." And was all oh, the media's going to take some photographs, you know, mm. and. Um, just out of the blue, uh, another competitor noticed that one of the bellies of the fish were kind of bulging a bit. Like, Jeez. you know, they looked a bit abnormal. Like, yeah. they looked bigger than the fish actually should have been. And these these so, are being judged on weight and length and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, weight, just weight for that. Um, so um, they um they suspected it basically from the get go. So uh, the one of the organisers got the fish and. Told the guys to put them down there and he just slid his belly open as if you're filleting it, like you know. Yeah. 
And uh, the first fish, the guy went in with his hand, just start taking out these big heavy lead weights, like one pound weights. Jesus. They were stuffing weights down the, the throats of the fish. Uh, they were stuffing fresh fillets down anything that they could get into the mouth to basically get an upper hand. And eventually, I think it would have been eight, eight to ten pounds extra that they, they racked up. Jesus. So the competitors went crazy about this anyway, as you would like, because uh, we don't tolerate any form of cheating, especially in fly fishing. You know, it's always yeah. been a gentleman sport or gentlewoman sport. You know, mm. but um, I, I've I've followed it up. I've nothing really has come come about it at the moment, but a lot a lot of people were shouting for um. Obviously, they're going to be stripped of anything that they've ever won. In yeah. the last, however, but um, some of them are talking like you know, the police were getting involved and a, a lawsuit getting involved, jail, jail time, maybe it's fraudulent, it's they're, fraud, exactly. Yeah, they're, 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 they're basically robbing from the other competitors because there's massive money at stake in yeah. these American walleye competitions and small mouth and big mouth bass, like massive money involved in it. And um, they're basically robbing the other people's livelihoods because they're out honestly trying to win. Yeah. You know, and the sponsorship money is outrageous over there. Yeah. You know, so they would, they would, they, they want a boat. They want a professional boat for about um, $100,000. Like, I mean, that, that, that'll all have to be given back. Yeah. They'll never be able to fish ever again. They'll probably have to move, move town. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine because them talking about a competition? In that small video clip that was hurled at them, like, I mean, you know, rightly so, I suppose, if, if it's the stop such just verbal abuse, I suppose. But um, they had to be escorted ever... out of the event by with police and everything because they feared for their lives. But not these two particular lads, but are you ever sort of jealous, Graham, of the people who are involved in fishing over there and they're making big dollars, you know, that kind of thing. You're obviously a very talented fisherman yourself. Maybe if you were in a sort of a bigger market, you could make a living instead of having to get up and go to work like the rest of us every day. Yeah. Is that something you'd like to be able to do in the future? I, I, yeah, I would love it. I mean, I've I've been a plumber for 22 years hmm. and I never said a bad word about it. It's an honest day's wage. Yeah. Um, But it can be hard as you get older on the old body, you know, the knees and stuff. And I, I enjoy my work. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, if I could go forward now and do something within the fly fishing community, absolutely. Like, I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens down the line. Maybe Josh, give me a job at fish coin. <laughs> oh, look, at you brand ambassador, the whole lot. You're doing a great job oh, of selling yeah. to me. I'm well for that now. I have no idea what yeah, I'm doing. I'll, I'll send you all the links and you can have an elegander at it anyway and see. Yeah, sure. We'll throw, them, we'll, like, we'll throw them out with the show as well because I yeah, know there's a lot of people who are interested in this. Listen, yeah. before I let you go, I just wanted to ask yourself and Malena have been running the Irish store from Otterbro. So it's online yeah. there. Uh, is it the Irish store.se is what people can find everything there, is it? Yeah. Now, uh, does that mean that your house is full of tato all the time, does it? Yeah. Good man uh, yourself. Uh, <laughs> and lines and berries and chocolates. Oh, you name it. Sugar and soda, soda fl bread flour. Oh. All sorts of the the new sauces coming in in a while. So um, we we'll um we'll be restocked. Like so. Yeah. How's and business also, going? Sorry. How's business going there? It's going good. It's ticking over. It's ticking over. Uh. We're, we're hoping to expand a bit more now. Uh, please, God, we'll move into a house soon. So once once we get settled in, um, it's, mm. you're just going to see a lot more product on the on the web shop. 
Yeah, you can have a bit more space if you're living in a house there. Actually, it was down there. My uh, my wife's aunt used to live down there. She used to live in a big house there in the outskirts of Ardle Brown. I was going, geez, if you could get uh, Reggie Malena in there because there'd be plenty of space for the warehouse now. Yeah. You know? But yeah. but are you getting a lot of business now from the lads who are working in Yavla and Lulio and that in the data centers? Yeah, yeah, they're um, we got Stammies like uh, regular uh, customers. Customer, yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant boys up in Lulio. They're doing they the Facebook big plant up there. They're they're always um. They'll, they'll keep you busy. The tea and the McDonald's curry uh, sauce. They do love that. And um, what else is another big seller? Likes the crunchies and all them. They're nice. Um, yeah. and uh, hunky dories are big seller. Can't keep them on the shelf. They're, so the next stock's gonna be just massive, the large amount of. When do you think that'll be in? There's always a bit of uh, discussion about dates and and. Not quite sure, Phil. You're gonna have to ask the boss woman on that now. I'll get the boss woman. I'm on just anyway. a style and partner. I'm the show for like that's, that's, all it, that's it well you know you're a great brand ambassador both for fish coin and for Malena, yeah. the irish store but listen let us know the date when that's coming in because of course it's coming up to christmas now so people are going to want to get their yeah. order today the, uh, Absolutely, the yeah. chocolate will be there the christmas products will be back there and of course we're going to be having the tea and everything else like that that's always oh, necessary yeah. Absolutely. what's next for you my friend now because this is the thing right the reason i'm afraid to speak to your missus now is because you're away every weekend and that kind of right. thing. i'm not the jealous type mate <laughs> no no you know, it's not that it's the fact that you're out the whole time and she's there running the business and that so uh, but what's uh, going to happen now next year is there going to be a lot of travel going on for you next year because you're part of the swedish national team now in in fly fishing uh melena's been great like i mean i couldn't do ah, whatever to be honest she's um she's been a star like and when i'm not competing i do try and tell her that look it's a short season just you can just let me do it like and then i'm i'm, mm -hmm. I'm all yours with the kids for the whole winter and early yeah. spring you know that kind of way but i mean i'm not away every weekend yeah um but in the height of the season when we're training and stuff and uh we need to test out new new equipment and new flies um i mean you could be i mean i'd be definitely fishing i'm fishing every weekend and it's mm -hmm. one even in 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 the in in the uh midweek like but yeah. um I mean, every second or third weekend, I'd be away for maybe two two days, anyway, two nights. Like, yeah. Did she so know I what she was getting into, Reg? Did she? Huh? Did she know what she was getting into when she married you? Uh, I, I, I don't think... It, uh, I didn't think... Uh, she didn't expect it maybe to go, they speak so quickly. So. <laughs> <laughs> she, she does a bit of fly fishing as well. No, she has does all her as well. Yeah, I got her into it last year. It's just... Hard to get babysitters to go out and stuff, but um, yeah. she has all the gear there. Sandy brought her a load of things there last year. <laughs> Brilliant! Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I suppose yeah. that's that's one way. If you could drag her into that as well, I'm always trying to get my missus and the kids interested in the same thing as I'm interested in because that yeah. way you can just make a family thing of it anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And see if she doesn't like it, and she doesn't like it, and I mean, she'd sit down and have a cup of tea or maybe a glass of wine, there and she'd she'd have a chat with me and maybe tie a. Uh, fly or two, like you know, so it's nice. Like, we can that's how we can have our own chat. Like, how are you getting on? What did you do today? And we'll be just tying a few flies tying like. away there. Yeah, that's yeah. I you, have you ever thought of selling them in the in the Irish shop? No, um, no, well, it, it, it did cross. Uh, well, right. it's kind of breaking things up a little bit, you know. But Jesus, sort of, yeah, it's you know? not the kind of market that uh, that we'd be selling them on. I mean. Melena's definitely said, I mean, I have buyers in, in America. I have mm. a, a few private people that would buy from me. But um, I there's not a whole lot of money in it, to be honest with you, Phil, because yeah, yeah. the prices out there now, some of the guys that do be on the big uh, 
like Etsy and I and eBay and all that, they're selling them for pennies, like, and I just couldn't hide them for that, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hours to go into them, you know. But I mean, if a mate down the road asked me to tie him up fifty of his favorite ones, I'd, mm. I'd, I'd get money. I, you know, I'd, 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 I mean, I'd get the price of the material and and mm. maybe a couple of hours from my troubles, like a few bob for your time, like yeah, yeah. 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 So, but I wouldn't. I I don't know if I'd like to do it full time. Yeah, e- you'd be driven e- to e- even if the money was there, mm. because I'll tell you why. Um. It's a love that I have and it's my passion. And if I'm tying flies nine to five, Monday to mm-hmm. Friday, like I'm just going to lose interest in tying flies for my own personal use. Like. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I probably wouldn't, but I don't know. It just, it would feel more like of a chore that I'd have to be tying them for me. Like. Well, that's, it's that thing. Oh. Be careful what you wish for. You know, I'm sure you'd be, you'd exactly. be happier if you had a few sponsors who were able to say, right, there's a few, Bob. I take the evening off, go fishing, you know, I might pay yeah. for a babysitter to Malena could go to rather than just sitting there and making it into exactly. an industry kind yeah, of thing at yeah. all. You know? that'd, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, listen, but, um, it, keep it's it early days there in, in the career. So, I mean, um, let's see how it plans out. I'm very grateful I've uh, got the opportunities to, to um, reach this level. So, Oh, it's, and it's fantastic. It's amazing to see your sort of progress since you moved to Sweden and that, and yeah. now into the national team. But look, at you know, as they say, don't be a stranger, right? Let us know now when the competitions oh, are happening next year and we get you absolutely. back on again. And the yeah. Irish store.se for everybody's needs before Christmas. So between tying flies and packing crunchies, you'll be a busy man now for the winter. But for now, Graham Reynolds, Reggie Reynolds, the rod father, if you will. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it, mate. Take care of yourself. I see you only snagged one, huh? Two. Fish are on there, you bonehead. And you know damn well I throw back what I'm not going to eat. Oh, yeah, like that 40-pound muskie you're always yakking about. It's a shame that nobody ever sees you with these monsters. <laughs> going to love it, Goldman. Go to work, baby. Got to use hot water here. There you go, a little scene there from the movie Grumpy Old Men featuring Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau as a pair of uh, neighbours who don't get on. And in that scene there, you can hear Jack Lemon getting given out to by Walter Matthau. The two of them are just coming home from fishing and... Um, What's his name? Walter Matthau has a whole heap of fish and Jack only has a couple of fish. So Jack decides that he's going to throw one of the fish into the back seat of Walter's rather messy car and just uh, let it stink up the whole place. Great old movie, great bit of crack, great bit of fishing to be had there and a really enjoyable interview with Graham Reggie Reynolds there. And it's like I was saying in that little promo for the uh, for the Irish, in, or sorry, for the Global Gale podcast, there's really no such thing as an ordinary Irish person abroad, lads. Now, if you have a story that you would like to be featured here, if there's somebody you want me to interview, if you want me to interview you, you personally if you have something you want to promote a business or a product or a service or something you're doing now is a good time to get in touch because I just got confirmation the other day there that I'm accredited for the FIFA World Cup in soccer in Qatar which means that I'm going to be doing a whole load of interviews that I'll hold over and I'll drop them like I'll still record the podcast every week whilst I'm in Qatar but I'll have uh, the, the, the lion's share of the work done if you like so um, we'll have those interviews to bring to you that kind of thing so now is a great time to get in touch because it, not only will I be doing the podcast for the coming 
coming weeks. I'll also be looking for material, timeless material, if you will, that we can drop over the last couple of weeks, November, and then into December while I am bo- uh, abroad there, swanning around the Middle East, looking at soccer and trying to find a, a way to tell the story about this World Cup that, uh, that really does tell the full depth of it. Uh, hopefully on the Global Gale podcast, actually, we'll have a little bit of an uh, an angle, if you like, from Qatar, from an Irish person living in Qatar. So that'll be something to look forward to if I can get uh, Paddy, Paddy Black to, to shake out his contacts book. But sure, in the meantime, we're running far too long here. Now we're in 14 minutes and 30 seconds, lads. Jesus, you're getting value for money. If you're on Patreon.com, Arrowman, Stockholm, or if you ever swished a few bob, is I getting value for your money this week. So I will leave it at that for now. Uh, I think... I think I kind of ish know who I'm going to be speaking to on the podcast next week, but we've tried to book it before and it hasn't really happened, so we'll hold off and see what happens. I won't say that just yet, but um, it will be exciting. And for that reason, I want you to look after yourselves. I want you to look after one another, and I'll see you back here again next week with another episode of the Irish and Sweden podcast. Good luck. <laughs>